You're listening to the Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Barita. I'm a 16-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law and leadership topics, company leaders like CEOs, managers, and HR professionals would often ask me where can they find a little more information on this and a little more information on that. Look, I get it. There's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people only have 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to company leaders. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Legal Skinny Podcast. So it's been a while since I've talked about pot on this podcast, and I totally promised you a number of episodes ago, so let's do it. For many of us in the legal world, the growth of the cannabis-related businesses combined with new laws attempting to appropriately regulate it, well, it's, it's a very interesting emerging market. I guess it's more than interesting. It's fascinating. And not just from the domestic U.S. issues. There are new trends and emerging laws at the international level, with countries all taking aim at how to approach this emerging market and all of its related legal issues. You know why I know that's serious? Because there's an international cannabis bar association. Yep. What a bunch of lawyers across the world are like, we need a group, man. (laughs) It's serious, people. (laughs) I mean, they have a LinkedIn and Twitter page, okay? (laughs) Um, But in all seriousness, in particular in the U.S., we have an obvious legal issue that is continuing to emerge and frankly, is long overdue to be addressed. It's whether or not the U.S. federal government is going to legalize cannabis at the federal level. And while this question is not answered, don't worry, the states are quite busy figuring out their own cannabis path. Each state, of course, um, with various laws that have their own set of guidelines, are emerging and each state choosing how to approach it in their own way, asking all sorts of questions when they come to passing these laws. Like, how are we going to regulate the plant-touching cannabis companies? What regulations should there be, if any, on the multitude of ancillary cannabis-related companies? And should we legalize medical marijuana and what medical conditions qualify? Or the question of what about recreational marijuana? And then um, many of them are, are choosing, um, should we make it legal to smoke it or just vape it? Or do we scratch all the smoking and vaping and just allow our constituents to ingest it in edibles, such as in California, Illinois, Massachusetts, and Michigan, where you can partake in Mindy's Lush Black Cherry Gummies. Or in California, where you can have Coda Signature Burnt Caramel Chocolate Truffles. 
or in Oklahoma, Illinois, and Colorado, where you can have 1906's Bliss Milk Chocolate Peanut Butter Cups. Or maybe they're thinking just allow the whole of it all um, with edibles such as cookies, brownies, pizza, chips, trail mix, ice cream, uh, soda, um, dessert balls, condiments, coffee, tea, and energy drinks. I mean, seriously, so many choices. While the federal government stands by, each state in the U.S. is picking and choosing which form of cannabis to approve, like we are at a fast food crossroads between a Big Mac or Whopper, leaving the legalization of marijuana across the U.S. to be like the wild, wild west of legal pitfalls. And frankly, it's been causing problems for a while. For instance, in New Hampshire, there's been a case floating through the court systems where an employee was denied the reimbursement of medical marijuana under a workers' comp claim because the insurance carrier argued that requiring it to reimburse a claimant for marijuana would be equal to violating the Federal Controlled Substances Act. Now, the New Hampshire Supreme Court said no to that argument, and these arguments have popped up in New York and New Jersey as well. But the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court went the other way when ruling that employers and insurers could not be required to pay for medical marijuana because the substance is illegal, again, under the Federal Controlled Substances Act. Same law, Federal Controlled Substances Act, that they're citing. Different results for the employee depending on where they lived. Um, Houston, we have a problem. Sorry, <laughs> I just love any kind of NASA interjection. <laughs> All right, but seriously, let me give you the mini breakdown history of what we're dealing with as far as the conflict between the states and the federal government and where we're at today. Cannabis became illegal in the United States in 1937 with the Marijuana Tax Act. In 1970, Congress enacted the Controlled Substances Act, which I just referenced those other two courts were talking about. Um, under that act, cannabis was codified as an illegal substance at the highest level, a Schedule I drug under the CSA. That's what the Controlled Substance Act is referenced as. After years of states trying to stop and restrict the use of marijuana, some states slowly begin to act their, enact their own laws, allowing for, of course, the growth, sales, and use of marijuana for medical purposes. The first major step toward broader change at the federal level really came in 2013, when Deputy Attorney General James Cole issued a memo called the Cole Memo, stating that the U.S. Department of Justice, the DOJ, did not intend to seek prosecution against any person or company that remained in compliance with a state legal cannabis program. And at that time, uh, no fewer than 17 states had laws allowing some form of legalized cannabis. Now, the Cole Memo further identified the eight most important areas where the DOJ instead intended to focus prosecution. The distribution of marijuana to minors, the funding of criminal enterprises, interstate transport, the growing on public property, the possession on federal property, the cover for trafficking other illegal drugs, preventing use of firearms with cultivation, and preventing drugged driving. In 2014, Congress approved the Rora Baker-Farr budget amendment 
which prevented the use of any DOJ funds for inhibiting states from instituting medical cannabis laws. This budget amendment was another significant step, okay, towards legalization, and it's been passed in some form each year since then. Now, despite Attorney General Jeff Sessions' rescission of the Cole memo in January 2018, there really has been no recent DOJ prosecution against cannabis companies. And the Agricultural Improvement Act of 2018, commonly referred to as the Farm Bill, which was enacted in December 2018, this made hemp and hemp-derived products federally legal, which is another sign of movement toward full cannabis acceptance. But respectfully, the U.S. government is moving at a bit of a snail's pace, in my opinion, while business leaders are dealing with real issues on the regular at a cheetah's pace with the legalization of cannabis across the United States. I'm not saying these issues would be solved by the federal government, but when you have such a clear conflict between the federal and state laws, it just, it can cause confusion. And frankly, from my perspective, when talking to my business owners, it just creates more and more questions that we don't know the answer to which then creates this icky feeling my business owners experience of exposure, legal exposure and liability. For example, if you have workers in more than one state and the laws in one state make cannabis legal at the recreational and medical level, but the other state where you have employees is like my state of Texas, where there's really no recreational legal marijuana use where you can go buy a joint or gummies at the corner store, and medical marijuana here is very, very strict in Texas, limiting it only to certain types of medical conditions such as epilepsy, seizure disorders, terminal cancer, and other serious conditions. So if you have employees in both those types of states, let me tell you, it's challenging for multi-state um, business leaders and employers. Some of these states not only have passed cannabis legalization laws, they may have passed employment law protections in place for certain marijuana users, especially medical marijuana users, so that the um, company leaders, these employers, they're going to be under obligations to accommodate, um, you know, these medical marijuana users, and they may not be able to be fired for testing positive for the use of marijuana. And then some of those states also may allow um, for an employer to terminate or discipline for marijuana use or intoxication in the workplace. But then on the other hand, they limit the ability for the employer's right to test for marijuana use. So company leaders uh, are stuck with their hands tied, you know, balancing the federal and state law conflict, um, safe work environment duties and requirements, um, protecting employee privacy, and whatever other legal rights that may exist in those states. So one of the issues, you know, that we're also seeing come up in this area is the safety sensitive position. And if you're dealing with the Department of Transportation in any sort of way, you know what I'm talking about, or any other federal government contract requiring testing for drug use. Um, so, you know, RCMV drivers or pipeline employees. While these individuals in a safety sensitive position may need to be drug free, according to the federal government, you know, the, it's just not all built in when you have these state law protections conflicting on how an employer or company leader should handle it. 
But let's not stop there. It's not just employment law, okay? If you're in one of these states and you're trying to create a cannabis-related company, there's tons of legal conflicts that show up over and over again right now in banking laws, tax laws, bankruptcy laws, real estate laws, intellectual property laws. It's um, it's kind of a bit of an issue, which is, again, um, why creeping along here, um, we wonder when the federal government will step in. I have no crystal ball, of course, as I always say, so I don't know exactly what will happen, but I can tell you this. The legalization of cannabis is a question the federal government is going to have to address sooner than later. The big question is when? Two years? Five years? What's your prediction? And I'll leave you with that. That's the legal skinny on cannabis future. To be or not to be. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. I would love for you to go to www.legalskinny.com forward slash review to learn the super simple way to leave me a review to tell me which topics and guests you like. I value your thoughts and your review helps me support more company leaders just like you to grow as a leader themselves and to grow successful teams. I also dropped the link in the show notes if that's easier for you. And while you're there, check out all the other resources I have for you as a company leader. And don't forget, our disclaimer to remember legal skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.